This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Friday, November 5th. Coming up, public schools are serving a lot more meals this year, but pandemic-related supply chain issues are making virtually everything in the school cafeteria harder to come by. There's just an endless overcoming that we're trying to have to do, whether it's, you know, paper goods or staffing or pay or food. It can be exhausting. Plus, we'll hear what Kansas City kids are looking forward to now that they're eligible to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But first, some headlines. Kansas City is dropping its mask mandate for most adults as COVID-19 case numbers drop across the region. The city council voted 11 to 2 yesterday to amend the existing mask mandate to apply only inside school buildings and school buses through at least December 2nd. Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas said keeping the mask requirement in schools will help protect students. Much of the logic and rationale relates to the fact that while vaccines are now available for students between the ages of 5 and 11, we continue to know that they just now have that opportunity. The city's previous mask mandate expired yesterday. Jackson County voted on Monday to extend its mask mandate for another three weeks, but that mandate does not apply in Kansas City. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt plans to file another lawsuit against the federal government. This time, he wants to block a federal rule that would require vaccinations for many private employees. Steve Vakrat has more. The Occupational Safety and Health Administration adopted an emergency standard that requires those working for companies with 100 employees or more to be fully vaccinated against COVID-19 by January. Those who don't get the vaccine have to get weekly tests for the virus and wear face coverings. The rule would apply to some 84 million workers across the country. But Schmidt's expected to argue that the federal government does not have the authority to require private businesses to issue vaccine mandates. He said he will file a lawsuit Friday when the new standard is officially published. It's the latest in a string of lawsuits that Schmidt has filed against the Biden administration this year. Schmidt is among several candidates seeking the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate. The Attorney General of Kansas is also planning on challenging federal vaccine mandates in court. For months now, the coronavirus vaccine has been available only to people ages 12 and up. But this week, the CDC approved a smaller dose of the Pfizer vaccine for kids ages 5 to 11. KCUR's Gina Kaufman spoke with the Kansas City children who've been eagerly waiting for their shots. Last week, a Kansas City nine-year-old named Addie talked to me after school let out. Over our Zoom call, she described what it had felt like to wait longer than her parents for her COVID-19 vaccine. I was like, why can't I get vaccinated? Because grown-ups, they're grown-ups. What's their difference to little kids? I wish I was 12 years old right now. KCUR is only using the first names of these kids because they're minors. It might be surprising to hear that a nine-year-old is desperate for a shot, but Addie was missing a crucial piece of information at the time. Is it a shot? Addie didn't realize that the COVID vaccine is a shot. If you talk to kids right now, this is a major consideration. The vaccine is a shot, and shots do hold. For Sophia, who's only five, the benefits of the vaccine seem to outweigh her fear of needles. Actually, all the kids I talked to were looking forward to being eligible for this vaccine. And like Sophia, some of them were even pretty clear about how it works. If you get it, 
then it will kind of like teach your body how to fight germs. Even after learning about the whole shot thing, Addie maintained her enthusiasm. She has big plans for once she's vaccinated. I'm really, really excited. I want to have a party, a whole bunch of people, more than eight people. In the middle like of the party, I want to, I want to, everyone's going to say, we are vaccinated. And then we all can just party. In fact, kids' plans for what they will do when they get vaccinated aren't so different from the things adults talked about in the spring. Here's six-year-old Hudson and his brother Titus, who's nine. Things will be changing and and coronavirus will be starting to go away. Maybe I'll be able to stop wearing masks. Masks came up a lot. The kids are used to wearing them, but... I want to see people's faces again. That's Sydney. I think I'm going to be pretty excited, and I think I'm going to feel more protected against it. Sydney is a 10-year-old, and she wants to do normal 10-year-old things. I want to go to an arcade. I want to go to New York again, because I love going to New York. It's loud. Andrew is 10 years old, too, and he knows that the shot he's about to get, it's going to change his life. Even though I'm nervous and I don't like needles, I'm still much more excited to get this vaccine just because things can be a lot more normal for me. Andrew's brother is in eighth grade. He already got the vaccine because he's over 12. So in their house, the difference between having it and not having it is quite apparent. He still teases me a little bit about it. I know he's joking, but it's a little annoying. But Andrew's turn will be here soon enough. We have had several trips canceled because of COVID, which I would love to end up going on. In December, we're going to San Francisco for a Metallica concert. The federal approval of vaccines has come just in time for this kid to finally make good on some of his travel plans. The venue in San Francisco requires proof of vaccination. And now that local pharmacies are scheduling appointments, that's something Andrew might actually be able to provide. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Gina Kaufman. You can hear more of this story on KCUR's podcast, Real Humans by Gina Kaufman. We'll be back after this message from our sponsors. At UMB Private Wealth Management, a part of UMB Bank, your story is our focus. UMB works closely with you to tailor a plan that meets your goals through every stage of life and changing economic climates. UMB's customized financial planning services and resources help you accumulate, preserve, and protect wealth, giving you peace of mind about your future. UMB, everything we do starts with you, from our high-touch service to our robust suite of wealth management products. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Pandemic supply chain issues have tossed everything about school lunches up in the air. Sourcing is a nightmare. Some staples of school dining, like chicken, can be hard to come by. And as KCUR's Frank Morris reports, your kid's lunch might have to be served on a plastic nacho tray lid. American public school students are likely eating a lot more meals at school this year. The food is free to all of them, regardless of income, as a way to make sure they have a healthy diet through the pandemic. But pandemic labor issues are making that sustenance hard to find, triggering the worst supply chain headaches schools have faced in decades. 
Food processing plants don't have enough workers to keep production humming. Trucking companies lack enough drivers to haul food from factories, and suppliers can't fully staff their warehouses. School districts are high-volume, low-margin customers, and many of them are now scrambling to feed their students. At Compass Elementary here in Kansas City, nutritionist Grennan Sims looks on proudly as workers scoop up mandarin chicken. <laughs> that's, a, that's a win. Every day that we provide the items that are planned on the menu, that's a huge win. Because every meal now is the culmination of a kind of treasure hunt. Her old, reliable food distribution company started canceling deliveries by the truckload right about when school started the semester, then cut ties with the district altogether. Other big companies delivering locally did the same to other districts, leaving people like Sims with thousands of children to feed and no clear way to buy food. If you think about when the world kind of shut down in March of 2020 and the months that came after that and the empty shelves that were experienced then. So what people saw then is what we're seeing now, but it's just exponential. Sims now works full-time just to find groceries, a volunteer's van load of chicken straight from the processing plant here, a box of donated utensils there, a new supplier gradually taking a part of the slack. And this is happening nationwide. We are hearing from schools all over the country that just aren't receiving the foods and supplies that they ordered. Diane Pratt-Hevner with the School Nutrition Association says that some districts scrambling to feed kids are shopping at Costco or Sam's Club. And she says they're paying more. I talked to some districts that just have no idea how much their food costs are rising because it's been so fast and furious trying to reorder, substitute items that they're not even looking at the price. It's more a matter of what can they get? They have to have. They're going to order whatever it takes. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is helping districts with money, reimbursing meals at about 15 percent higher than the normal rate and pledging more support. USDA's Food and Nutrition Service Administrator, Cindy Long, says the agency is also easing regulations. We absolutely want schools to serve the most nutritious meals possible. We believe that's what they want to do as well. But we also believe that no school should be penalized if a truck doesn't show up and they don't have the fruit cup to put out that day. Some districts may have fruit, but not the cup to put it in or the five compartment tray to serve it on. Lori Drenth is the food services director for the Hernando County School District in Florida. And she says that that five-compartment tray was, until lately, the foundation of every meal. Normally, her district goes through about five million of them annually, but not this year. I spend my days combing the internet for what can I put, what can I serve menu items to students on. So she's getting by serving kids on nacho bowl lids and pizza slice boxes, among other things. And Drenth says that all this effort, finding and buying supplies, doesn't amount to anything if there aren't workers at the school to prepare and serve the food. And the labor shortage is hitting school cafeterias hard. There's just an endless overcoming that we're trying to have to do, whether it's, you know, paper goods or staffing or pay or food. It can be exhausting. And there's no relief in sight. Drent and others expect the nonstop chaos of cobbling meals together on the fly to continue, at least through the end of the school year. For KCUR 89.3, I'm Frank Morris.
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast was produced by Byron Love and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. You can read Gina's story about kids and vaccines and Frank's story on school lunches at kcur.org, where you can also hear a live stream of Kansas City's NPR station. If you like our show, make sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. You can also leave us a voicemail at 816-235-8930 with your thoughts. On Monday, we'll get a preview of two major court cases happening in our area. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.